What's up, guys? My name is Jonah Stairs. My name is Micah Mosley. And this is the Bringing It Back podcast. We are so excited that you have taken the time to tune in today. Our heart is that you guys will be able to figure out how to navigate life well with a biblical foundation. We want to keep Scripture at the center of all that we do and talk about. So let's get into this week's episode. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of Bringing It Back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, of course, am Jonah Stairs. Yeah, and I'm Micah. It's great to, I guess, not see you guys, but uh, (laughs) I guess it's great for you guys to hear our voices again. Odd thing to say. But hey, we're so excited today. We've got, man, a very special guest. We have Lori Krieg with us today. Lori, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so I guess just a little bit about Lori that I'll preface, and then we'll kind of just let you jump into a little bit of your own story. So I first kind of heard about Lori and her ministry through, you did an interview on Remnant Radio, which, big fan of the Remnant, guys. Michael Roundtree is actually my parents' pastor down at Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City. So love their stuff. Good, good guys. And then from there, I was just blown away by that conversation. So went and started reading your book, An Impossible Marriage, which has been great, which you co-wrote with your husband, Matt. Um, Mm -hmm. Not finished yet. Started just about a week ago. So I'm not a power reader. I can't just crank through things like (laughs) some people, but I've really loved uh, the ministry from that so far. So we're really excited. So Laura, I guess just tell us a little bit, I guess, about the story that this book, An Impossible Marriage, that you know, you've written is kind of based around and just walk us through some of those processes a little bit. Yeah. So the story, the book is called An Impossible Marriage, and it said it's the subtitle is What My Well, Our Mixed Orientation Marriage Has Taught Us About Love and the Gospel. That phrase, mixed orientation marriage, when I first got married, I didn't know I was in a mixed orientation marriage. (laughs) Basically, that means one or both of the spouses who are in this marriage, uh, their default attraction, probably primarily sexual attraction, but attraction, whatever that means, Mm -hmm. is not toward the gender of their spouse. So my default attraction, so that's me in our marriage, um, my default attraction is not toward my husband's gender, which means he's a man, yeah. or biological <laughs> male, um, and identifies as male. And um, so how I've said it in the past is when I struggle with lust, it's toward women. But I, we could go on and on about what that even means sure. to be gay, and is it all about lust? And But I'll, I'll pause that conversation, and I'll go back to the book. Uh, it opens up with my really wrestling with seven years into our marriage, if I'm going to stay in or exit. Uh and how I reached that point of wrestling was I, I married Matt, a man, uh, not being like, I think I'm attracted to all genders or both genders or whatever. I was primarily attracted toward women and I told Matt that, but there was something about him, not men, that drew me toward him. And um, I had already decided in the year before that to really give my life to God, which included my sexuality. And um, God really led me to Matt. But here we were seven years in, and even though I'd given my life and heart to Jesus, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes these desires we have can just be the engine that's driving Mm -hmm. the train. Yep. And... I knew theologically what was right about marriage. I knew I had experiences with God, but I was really wrestling with my 
um, sexual desires, but two, a buried memory of trauma from my childhood resurfaced around that same time. And even though it was a dude who did that to me, and it was not Matt, the man I was married to, his maleness triggered me. Hmm. So this triggering process magnetized to my attractions toward the same sex and it barfed up a question. <laughs> I don't think I've said that in an interview yet. Hey, that's how we like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the question barf, we're just going to keep going with that, yeah. uh, was what do you want? What do I want? And a friend had asked me that question and she thought she knew the answer, which was, duh, Matt. Like, you guys are so cute. Um, but it's really interesting when you're in a place of temptation and really wrestling, not just like mild temptation, like really struggling. That question, what do you want, is very jarring. Uh, and so that is where the book begins. And... Yeah, I'll just, I'll talk about yeah. it to you. Yeah. From there. So I'm, I'm super interested to hear a little bit more. You touch on it in the book, uh, but just about the process of like getting to know Matt and then some of the other stuff relationally that was going on in your life at that time. So even kind of like identifying, um, you know, the other relationship that you were in at the time and then walking yeah. through like that, that decision-making process and then what it kind of was about Matt and then I don't know how he was so receptive yeah. to that. Cause I'm sure that's something that I don't know, just catches a lot of would catch pretty much anybody off guard um so i'm super interested to hear about his response to that and what his role was kind of in that process yeah so i was in college um at a christian university and i've alluded to how i like met and gave my life to jesus that was around 23 before matt and i got married but i grew up in a christian home i knew I did the Adventures in Odyssey, Focus on the Family, <laughs> Moral Majority, yeah. Right Wing World. Sure. <laughs> that was what I grew up in. Um, and uh, that culture was not so gay friendly, hmm. if I can be honest with you. Uh, there in the 90s, especially. Um, so I, I felt from a young age attractions toward the same sex. And I. I always pause after I say that because it's such a weird word, that word attraction, especially when you're five, like you're not like Mm -hmm. sexually attracted. It was just like this draw, Mm. like boys were my, I have five brothers, like I punched them and (laughs) they were not intriguing to me, that gender, but girls were. Um, And so, but when I overheard kind of this, war on marriage talk and like the homosexual agenda is going to come and like murder babies in their sleep that was that was a vibe i'm mm-hmm. exaggerating i yeah. know but that was that was what i picked up yeah. growing up that was my sense so when i felt these attractions to the same sex i wasn't like oh this is my version of sexual brokenness that mm-hmm. i need to surrender to the lordship of christ like everyone else is called to do yeah same, same. Everyone's sexually broken. No, 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 no. It was, I had to like detach, like fragment, cut that part out of me hmm. in my mind in order to cope. In fact, I remember in college, I remember like really wrestling and looking down at my body and while the, we're, some, it was either worship or like the 900th sermon on idolatry because 
those were the sermons that stood out to me. It wasn't actually the 900 sermon, but mm-hmm. it, I was like, I know this is idolatry. I yeah. know I need Jesus. But I remember looking down at my body and being like, where's the gay part? Hmm. Is it like my appendix? Can I just like cut it out? It's gone. <laughs> um, because truly, when I fast forward, so I was doing that growing up and then in college, going to Christian University, my dad was a pastor. We were like the family people looked up to, <clears throat> and I felt like I was the worst of my siblings. I have 11 siblings. I felt like I was the worst Christian, uh, and I found myself in this secret same-sex relationship with another Christian girl, and it started the friendship. She felt the same way about me as I did about her, and there I was, and I was so at war internally because I would read Romans 6, 7, and 8, which pause, especially in the early thousands when this was happening, um, there were still stereotypes of LGBTQ people, which is like they sleep around, they do drugs, and they're just like very loose. So like, I loved Jesus Hmm. then Mm -hmm. as much as I knew how. And I was at war, like it says in Romans 6, like, no, 7. Like, why do I do what I don't want to do? And I'd read those over and over and get convicted and break up with her and then find myself right back in the same place. And you guys, I was so, so, so desperate to talk to another Christian, like, and really wrestle through this. But I didn't feel anywhere was safe. And it wasn't that there wasn't any safe places, but I'm sure everyone listening has at least one gay friend. And if you don't, you do. They just haven't told you yet. Ooh, and I'm curious yeah. if you're not safe yeah. yet. And here's what I was listening for and perhaps what some of your closeted or out gay friends are listening for is I was listening for how do people, Christians, respond to the, quote, big sins when the pastor has a moral failure? Hmm. Is there a, a gasping and clutching of pearls? Mm-hmm. How about when XYZ person comes out as trans, gay, whatever? Are we, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> how, how do we make fun of, I hope we're not, of effeminate men or masculine women? For some reason, girls can be more masculine without getting made fun of, but like effeminate dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of mean words, lots yeah. of mean locker room words from pastors, well-meaning pastors. And this was this, even in the era this was beginning the era of porn and pancakes, as I call it, because this is when guys could come forward who are heterosexual with their heterosexual pornography addiction and confess it from stages, but the second they got off would come out of their mouths, admitting sexual addiction would come from their mouths, words of hatred and vitriol for people like me in the church. I wanted a safe place, and I didn't know where was a safe place to wrestle with this. So God, in his mercy and provision, he uh, prompted me through my little list of, like, who doesn't freak out about big sins? Who says kind things about sexual sinners? Who doesn't make fun of gay people? Mm-hmm. I, My professor, I talked to her. Um, and she did not judge me. She helped me because I was suicidal. Um, to connect with her husband, who's a therapist. And in that season um, of breaking up and getting back together with my girlfriend, I met Matt. So (laughs) 
do not follow me as I follow Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by that I mean, no, my story is not should not be your story. <clears throat> Anything that looks like Jesus or sniffs of him, do that. But <laughs> this was so messy. Mm-hmm. Ten out of ten, do not recommend. Uh, but in the sense, but I will say, even as I make fun of myself, I will say, God can begin with you anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he began with me to write my fairy tale. He was trying to get a hold of my heart. And I felt like I was in the worst place doing the worst things, which I wasn't the worst. But God, he never fails. Mm. He never gives up on us. And so in that mess, uh, he, he, there were times I, I remember just knowing how much he deeply loved me apart from that. But through Matt, I could tell he was interested in me. And so we went to the same church, Matt and I, and um, he liked my car. And so he's like trying to talk to me about my car. Classic. Why not? <laughs> hey, whatever connection Classic, you can right? find, you just got to, sometimes you got to stretch to make the connection. <laughs> you know? So, wow, those shoes. I don't care about your shoes, but I want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a red Pontiac vibe hatchback. So I wow, I don't even know what that is, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> I've never been interested yeah. in a Pontiac vibe before. So. <laughs> you know what? It was cool in 2007. <laughs> anyway. That's awesome. And we started playing Ultimate Frisbee together. And okay. he, he says, you know, he thought I was scrappy. And, um, <laughs> and I remember I got, punched, I got punched in the face with a backhand. Like, it wasn't actual. But I had got a big black eye. And then I kept playing. And Matt said he knew in that moment. He was like, I want to marry that girl. Wow. <laughs> what a defining moment. <laughs> I know. Black guy. Yeah. Um, but he didn't know about my secret life. And so when his like interest in me became clear to me, I was like, oh, wait, wait, what? You're not just actually interested in my car. Uh, so, um, I said, you know, let's pray about it for a month because there was something not about men, but about Matt that made me stop and made my heart go, huh. And God can work with, huh, hmm. if it's if it's his desire to not write your Disney story, but to um, show you more of his love through the people he created. So we prayed about it for a month. A few days before I was going to talk and pray about it, I was going to tell him. I was really planning on coming out at the end of that month, and I was like, oh, Lord, help him, because there were not gay Christians that I knew of back then. And um, I shared with him my story, and he looked at me, and he said, I don't see you any differently. Wow. Wow. And he didn't. Uh, You know how people, when you tell them something, like, brutal, and their Mm -hmm. eyes do, like, the little flicker of, like, you're a weirdo? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you're like, eh, looks like this friendship is done. Yeah. His eyes did not do the you're a weirdo flicker. Uh-huh. And um, that was the start of the beginning of our dating relationship. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wanting to explore a little more, if you're willing, this idea of not necessarily the terminology of like, it's just gay and straight and like that's who you are and that's your identity. But this idea of we all have this sexual brokenness and we all have this misperception um, of, of how God designed marriage and there's just something inherently broken in us that 
Jesus is dying to restore in us, and we all kind of have different manifestations of that. Um, And that, to me, I just find so life-giving, and I feel like it gives me hope, and I can only imagine how much hope it gives to people who are struggling with same-sex attraction um, to hear somebody say, this isn't who you are, this is just something that Jesus is wanting to restore in you. Um, and we all have, we all have a sexual brokenness in us that, that God is coming into our lives to redeem and restore. So if you could just unpack that a little bit, I really love that concept. Yeah. And for people who are listening and are like, like just based off your question, like, well, that is who I am. Um, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll come back around to that because I, I keep developing. What does it mean? What's identity even mean? Mm -hmm. Who are we? Maybe we'll circle back to that, but to your question, um, how I really started to, well, how I stopped hating myself for these attractions for the same sex, which persist to today. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would still identify as gay again. We'll come back. Yeah. But, but I'll, with some sentences underneath that. Okay. So Matt and I started dating. We broke up. I just sent the Lord saying no. So we broke up. And it was the second we broke up, I was like, well, that's done. I don't even know what that was about. Cause every minute of every day I thought a woman was what I needed. Hmm. And, um, the suicidal ideation was still there. And so I sought out another counselor and she taught me the following. She said, Lori, you have these good needs inside of you. Hmm? These things to be desired, to be seen, to be known, to be loved, to belong. God created you with those good desires. You're just running to the wrong place. Now, the right place was not to a dude. And I looked at her and I said, well, don't say Jesus because I'm <laughs> Jesus and I'm like a super Christian. So no. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, the answer is Jesus. Yeah. But I didn't realize my brother that, that I had some barriers between the good needs of my heart and the need meter of my soul, hmm. Jesus. And I didn't realize that I had natural to me because of the fall, defaults, predispositions, or orientation, if you will, to get the good needs of my heart met in ways that don't actually satisfy and don't glorify God. I, you guys, everyone listening, we are all born that way. We all want to get those good needs met naturally because of the fall in our own ways. For some of that, it's church acceptable ways like performance, people pleasing. For some of us, it's through our sexual brokenness like heterosexual pornography addiction. My husband has wrestled with that. For some of us, we're born, I believe, because of the fall with this. I want to get those, I want to be seen and known and loved. And it's through the, it's through our opposite sex a husband or wife or the same sex person. I want to be seen and known and loved. And the answer for all of us 
is Jesus, you are enough. You see me, you know me, you love me. And we look through creation, not to creation, to the creator who is limitless. Instead of staring at things that are limited and trying to suck infinity out of the finite. We all do that, guys. It's the same old boring, dumb idolatry. Mm-hmm. This is <laughs> Israel 101. And yet it's kind of nice when we humanize it, right? And we're like, oh, shoot. My sin isn't that fun, is it? Absolutely. I So you, you touched on a few things there, specifically the identity thing. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, so I grew up in Oklahoma. And I think, obviously, we have the Bible Belt, which I don't, we're kind of even getting to the point where it's like, can we really call ourselves that anymore? Because <laughs> there's just there's a lot going on. But um, I think something that I probably wasn't even aware of until a few years ago was this idea that like people are, are born with, you know, same-sex attraction as like a result of the mm-hmm. fall. Because I think my understanding for so many years was just like, it's a choice you make where it's like a result mm-hmm. of sin or like some kind of trauma or whatever's happened that it's like forcing mm-hmm. you into this. And I think for a lot of our listeners, they would probably kind of have that that same reaction as you say that of like, oh, hold on, that's like different than what I know um, and what mm-hmm. I've kind of been raised to understand, which is why I wanted to have you on because I think there's probably a lot of our listeners that do relate with that. So so help us unpack some of those identity things you're talking about, you know, being born mm-hmm. into this or or even, you know, I as yeah. like, I don't know, the side be Christianity or whatever um, yeah. would kind of go along with that. Right. So there's a, so much. And there's, there's people who feel ferociously strong on either side of this conversation. So first, I'll just kind of try and organize it. So <clears throat> if you look just at a belief set, if you look at the U.S., there's going to be people who hold to a, an affirming worldview, gay, straight, trans, cis, however they identify sexually. Everyone listening, I'm assuming, has... Uh, is kind of like, oh, am I for same-sex marriage? Do I think the Bible is for it, allows it? God, maybe at least is like, okay, fine. Uh, so that'd be an affirming worldview. Mm-hmm. That speaks toward your theology. Then there's the non-affirming, historically biblical, orthodox. Right. <laughs> and so that's maybe the majority of what your, your audience uh, mm-hmm. says. I don't believe God allows or maintains that. Now, let's look into that subcategory, orthodox. There's a bunch of different ways in a lot of, of holding to a non-affirming worldview or historically biblical. And so you just alluded to it. There's side B. Mm-hmm. Now side, so side A is affirming. Side B says, uh, I identify as gay. That's, you know, if we use an analogy of like glasses, those are like the glasses that I need 24 seven in order to see. It's the lens through which I see everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may or may not see it as my primary identity problem. Now they probably say it's not my primary identity. My primary identity is in Christ, but I am gay. I'm not acting on it. I'm celibate if I'm single um, or I'm in a mixed orientation marriage like Lori, but that's who I am, but I'm also Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of categories there. (laughs) Do you want me to keep going? No, yeah, please do. Please do. Okay, yep. There's side X. No, that you're either gay or you're ex-gay. So you actually, you're straight now. Yeah. There's, that's, I want to say that's not a lot of people, but I think there's quite a few still there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's side Y, which those are people who would maybe identify as 
I am a Christian and I experience attraction to the same sex. You're only going to hear same sex attraction with people who are side Y. Now, people may say, I'm not side Y, I'm something, I don't know, there's, there's fluidity throughout. But I think to perhaps, I hope I'm getting to your question where you said, you know, how do you, um, well, okay, I'm just going to sit with those categories. Yeah. Why don't you ask a question? What, what do you want me to expand on there? Yeah, so I think, you know, you, you touched on this idea of, of identity earlier, even like what is identity? So something that I've that I've thought a lot about recently is like this whole this whole side being Christianity thing and you know like the identification of like you know to what extent are like we identifying by our brokenness but then also like through that brokenness yeah. we're making much of the Lord so I guess kind of finding the balance of like what is identity and then I think even yeah let's just start there because I could ask a bunch of questions and we yeah. want to make the most of your time and our time. So, uh, so this is hot off the press of Lori world because wow. I've been thinking <laughs> okay. a lot about this yeah I've been thinking a lot about this because for a lot of years I have identified somewhere between side B and maybe side Y and so like I even introduced myself today you know if I experience uh, lust if I struggle with lust it's going to be toward the same sex or I experience attraction to the same sex and I was I was pretty against any Christian identifying as gay uh i would be i'd be respectful of people doing that i'd honor them but i was like shouldn't your primary identity just be in christ mm -hmm. and then i just started thinking about it because uh without diving too much into my own personal identity crises lately mm -hmm. uh don't worry i'm still following jesus all that love <laughs> that never been better awesome. but i've just been wrestling with is it okay to identify as gay and then exactly the question you asked, isn't that identifying with sin? Like, what do, what do I mean when I say that? So here's when I say that, as I've kind of alluded to, I think uh, I made a list of redeemable and irredeemable qualities of gay culture mm -hmm. or being gay. And on that irredeemable side are things like, same-sex sex, same-sex same lust. I even think same-sex attractions are not redeemable, are not a part of the ordered intent of God. Mm -hmm. uh, codependency, there's like a lot of things. And I, this is speaking for myself. I'm not speaking on behalf of every same-sex attracted right. gay listener. On the redeemable side, you guys, there is gay culture. And um, similar to, not the same as, but like there's deaf culture. There's military culture. There's, I'm part of a running club culture. Yep. Are those all bad things? Are there any good pieces of culture? And when I meet other side B gay people, is there good pieces that we both can relate to? Podcast culture. Like yep. when you guys start out, hey, what's a podcast without tech issues? I'm like, oh, preach. Yep. So, <laughs> On the redeemable side of gay culture or gay identity, for me, I'm not speaking of you, of everyone, is this emphasis of spiritual family. It's calling masculinity and femininity to, uh, to, to be really biblically masculine and feminine. It's this eclectic dress. It's how, how can I tell like, oh yeah, that person's gay. It's not just a sexual vibe. It's this like culture. It's how we dress, it's how we look. Is that a bad and sinful thing? 
or is there something that's like camaraderie about the culture that we can help to show the world uh, who Jesus is? So I'm just asking that question. Is it really inherently sinful to identify as gay? And then a sub-question would be, what do you mean when you identify as gay? Am I saying that gay sex is good and gay attractions are good? I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm saying I am a part of that culture, and that's okay. Hmm. Wow, that's fascinating. Sorry. Yeah, I really like, I, I think part of why I'm so attracted to your testimony is because you have this predisposition and you have this same-sex attraction and you Mm -hmm. have this part of your identity that seems to be going in one direction but you're making an active choice every day to submit that to Mm -hmm. the lord and that to me i mean that's something i feel like not everyone can relate with in that same way but everyone can relate with in some way i have this thing i i have this desire like you said i have these really good, healthy needs that God has designed me with, but I just keep wanting to do the wrong things to get those needs met. Mm-hmm. And just to submit that to the Lord, I am just, it, it's so encouraging to me in my spirit to hear that testimony and be like, oh my gosh, like that's so strengthening to me. And so I hope for our listeners yeah. it's strengthening as well. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, because our podcast is all about bringing it back to scripture and what is it about the Bible that can equip us and help us every day to uh, continue to submit our lives to the Lord. And so I wanted to ask you if you're willing to share, what are some of the scriptures in your life that you felt like have just been foundational and anchoring into your relationship with Jesus? Like, are there some scriptures that you just constantly find yourself going back to, to, reconnect yourself with the Lord or, or just kind of remind yourself of, of his love or, or whatever it is. Yeah. So I alluded to, um, you know, Romans six, seven and eight, and I don't know if you guys have the, um, what is this, uh, beats, is it the scripture beats app? Now I can't remember what it is. I'm going to have to edit this out. Let me find it one second. (laughs) If anything, um, oh, away. I got it. Sure. So I alluded to earlier Romans 6, 7, and 8. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's like tear stained and underlined from those years when I was really wrestling when I was uh, with my girlfriend in, in the subsequent years. Um, and so just that whole, like how those, those chapters build, like how Paul is just outlining what sin is and his wrestling with it. And then, uh, just like the Romans 8, which is just a gospel um, mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing, just like who can separate us from God's love. I like to listen to it on the Streetlights app. Um, so it's just it's the New Living Translation put to like a sick beat. So if you guys want to get like, get like amped before you like yeah. go to worship or something, just listen to Romans 6, 7, 8, or just Romans 8. You're going to think, oh my goodness, Jesus loves <laughs> So. 10 out of 10 recommend. That's awesome. Uh, and then <clears throat> when I was, uh, I'm taking a little pause-ish, I'm still speaking, but from doing a lot on the stage just because eight years uh, in this extremely controversial conversation where you are the conversation, it, right. it, it takes a toll on you, my friend. Uh, and so I remember in one really tough season of, I don't want to say persecution because my goodness, I am not in a jail, praise God. And 
Uh, but it was intense and it wasn't like just internet comments, which still matter. It hurt. Yeah. It was like friends and leaders. Uh, but Second Timothy 4, um, and really all of Second Timothy, just where Paul is exhorting Timothy to be strong and how what it's going to be like in the end times. And that um, there's going to be people who follow their own desires and you just got to be strong. And lately I've been a lot in um, Psalm 31, 35, just as I'm just grieving just the pain of the world and the cost this conversation has had on my mind, body, and spirit. I mean, even physically, just the stress of engaging this conversation has been so painful. Um, And so to go to literally no one can understand our individual pain. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a proverb that says each heart knows its own bitterness and no one can fully share in its joy. In other words, it means no one's ever going to get you like you wish they would. Mm-hmm. But Emmanuel does. God with us. He's been with each of us from when, we, when he's making us. And um, so just knowing that I can take my pain in those Psalms of lament Psalm 6 I was reading today is so healing that God was with me in those painful times. He's with me now in this healing season. Um, that's what I'm clinging to now. Yeah, that's Thank good. You. Yeah, that's awesome. We love the Bible. So I think, you know, as we kind of start to wrap up in the next few minutes, because we want to honor your time, um, I think something in this conversation, or not even just this conversation, but in the church, I think people are like really bad at walking in tension. Like you either got to swing like one way in the pendulum or the other. I don't know, like my friends will roll their eyes as they hear me say this, but something that's been big for me lately is like the spiritual gifts. I love the spiritual gifts, but there's kind of like the two sides where it's like the cessationist viewpoint and then there's like the ultra charismatic. So there's something about like having to walk in attention of like understanding yeah. both sides and doing those. And I think this, you know, topic in this kind of conversation is something where a lot of people have have trouble walking in tension. So there's kind of just like the innate desire to, to swing one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you you even mentioned a little bit about like, not feeling like you had a safe space or somewhere to go and talk about things, uh, which breaks my heart because that's so terrible because that's, you know, like the body of Christ, like that's what the church is, is to be those safe places. Uh, I don't think we do a very good job of like creating good communities to struggle well together. So what are some of the, I guess, the, the places, the, I don't know, the groups, the communities that have kind of uh, popped up that really helped you through the struggle and then even as people maybe don't struggle with same-sex attraction but struggle with like their worldview on what this means in general what are some effective ways to like have those conversations some good resources i don't know books podcasts mm-hmm. i'm sure you have a lot yeah. of great stuff there um usually my go-to uh is centerforfaith.com so i'm on the board of directors for um preston sprinkle and the center for yeah. faith there and he's yeah. just done some really beautiful theological work and it's not all heady like he has some really great videos and resources you're going to see my silly face on some of those um i mean loved beloved chosen (laughs) face um but yeah you'll there's some really great things my friend greg coles he works there he wrote single gay christian that's another great book um i know people who you know if you're like i don't know if i really like with the idea of you know identifying as gay um, I know uh, Jackie Hill Perry, she wrote her book, Gabriel, Good God. 
Um, but other organizations, I appreciate Posture Shift. Um, that's my friend, Bill Henson. He really does a lot of training with uh, churches and leaders. Uh, my friend, Peter Volk at Equip, um, he's doing that. I appreciate uh, Julie Slattery. She's doing a lot with sexuality podcasts. Um, I mean, I don't know how many conversations you guys are going to have on this, but yeah. go to town. Uh, Preston Sprinkle also has a podcast, Theology in the Raw. We have a podcast. We're taking a hiatus this year. Uh, it's called Hole in My Heart. So mm. that God-shaped hole in your heart with those good needs inside. We talk about that a lot. We've interviewed almost everyone on this conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you'll see other names there for resources. Uh, you can just go to lorikreek.com to find that one. Um, yeah, there's, I can keep going. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a, that's a great start. That's a great start. That's a lot yeah, of stuff to yeah. consume. So uh, so one thing that I guess is maybe not as off topic, but I think, you, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like you would have a, a really interesting piece of advice. So just maybe take a second. Give us your best dating advice because we try to stay at, we, I don't know, that's like the hot topic thing. So we don't, I don't know, like we don't want to just do another dating podcast Plus, you know, we're both currently not married, so I don't think we really have a place to speak on that. Uh, but oh, you have the perfect place to speak. Well, okay. maybe we uh, should no do. <laughs> yeah, do uh, it. Yeah. So, give us just your your quickest, most efficient dating advice for our young adults listening, because we want to take advantage of anybody who uh, has a little bit more life experience than we do, especially in that realm. Yeah. <laughs> Look for someone who has the same humor as you, uh, and yeah, talk about their car. Uh, <laughs> look for someone who you can play with, um, like just that there is a play element. Um, when Matt and I were through tough, in our tough seasons, um, that was really, we kept reflecting back on our early dating years. So even, so I'm like, you guys, you're perfect for it, because that was really important to be able to laugh and play. Mm -hmm. And then I, I remember regularly when Matt and I, we might not have even been dating. We were just going for a walk. And there was this moment where I was like, oh my goodness, we have the same heart. And it was specifically like the same heart for the lost. Like it was, it, we bleed over the same things and we laugh over the same things. And that has really been a big gift. If God has called you to marriage, find somewhere you can laugh together and you, you cry. It was just a little misty eye over the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You want to ask our icebreaker question that we were supposed to ask at the start and then didn't? I was just so excited to start talking oh, yeah. that I, we had this. Gr we had like all these great questions lined up, which we normally start with, but I was just so raring to go. Yeah, so just to break the ice a little bit here, <laughs> if you were to put together your perfect concert of musical guests, mm. let's say we have an opener and then there's like the main title. And then a surprise guest, like guest appearance. 50 Cent coming out of nowhere in the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime show. Like they weren't playing. It's just like, oh, I'm losing my mind. Yeah. Who would you put together for your, your perfect concert? Oh, my word. I need to see who I even listen to right now. I've been listening <laughs> to a lot of instrumental music. So wow. I love you guys. This is going to just stereotype me right into oblivion. Because it's like, I like, like, like the, like, gravelly-voiced coffee shop. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> my husband's like our concentric circles of music we like is my that's that's the far left for him that he can't handle. But uh I I don't have a I don't have specific names right now, but it was just 
I think one of them though would have to be, and this does not actually even fall underneath that. This falls under my instrumental and rap co-centric circle. Oh. <laughs> is, is black violin. I love them. It's like classical mixed with um, rapping. Classical so, violin classical. with rapping. Black violin. Wow, yeah. it's a genre I didn't even know existed. Hey, I need that's, to check that's that. That's why we asked the questions, because uh, that's something I didn't know about. So I got, that's incredible. what I'm listening to this afternoon. Wow, that's in between that and the, the sick beat behind the scripture. Man, I'm oh, just yeah, discovering all kinds of new stuff today. Yeah. You don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, Lori, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it was great to get to talk from you and learn from you. We're, we're so blessed by your ministry. And I hope that some of our listeners have been challenged and then, I don't know, just kind of spurred to start thinking on their own and, and dig a little bit deeper into this. So thank you again for being here today, Lori. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for being such gracious and inviting hope. Oh, thank you. Ah, we try our best. They try our best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see it. Awesome. Thank well, you. thank you, Lori, again. We super appreciate it. You have a good rest of your day, all right? Mm-hmm.